Good to be here. Just uh, on the hand side, I was thinking perhaps it would have been better to go for the, for the other one, but uh, I think I'll cope. <laughs> Always a privilege. You know, uh, we were singing about worshipping God, and, and I'm just, as I was singing these words that you are the Alpha and the Omega, I'm reminding of one of the Psalms that says, I will praise you, God. I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praises to you. He says, I will worship. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Oh my word, isn't it amazing that God has even magnified his word above all his name. You see, as I was uh, preparing for tonight, I, I actually just was sensing that uh, as a prophetic word or prophetic words is about to start coming into place or coming to fulfillment, God will start repeating those prophetic words. God will start making you aware to start listening to what he's saying. And for you and me, to be mindful of that so that we can start aligning ourselves with that prophetic word. Start bringing adjustments in our lives. And I actually really sense that, that we are, as a church, and many of us individually, we are moving into a season where we are going to see a new calling of God in our lives first of all secondly it will be a year where God will require many of us listen guys God will require us of us to walk in uncompromising obedience and then I also sense that for some of us there's going to be a radical shifting in our calling I want to speak tonight about, about our calling and our destiny. The importance of understanding our calling so that we eventually can move it down to, into, our, into our destiny. So uh, I want to read from 2 Peter 1 verse 3 to 11. And I am just going to focus on verse 10 uh, for what I want to say. So uh, 2 Peter uh, 1 verse 3 to 11 says his divine power has given us all things guys important all things it's not only Christians Every, everybody was given all things the only, the only thing is it can only come to pass through Christ okay? he has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness but many times when we read these words or when we hear about godliness we immediately think it's all the don'ts in life. Don't do this, don't do that. But that's not what it's actually. It's actually all the do's. Godliness is like God-likeness. Okay. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given, what by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Isn't it amazing that we can be partakers of the divine nature? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the money, and so on. 
And then he goes on, he said, but, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then Peter goes on to say, they say, if you lack these things, then you are short-sighted even to blindness and you have forgotten that he has cleansed you from your old sins. And then verse 10, he says, therefore, brother, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. He says, yes, you have to you have perseverance, you have to have godliness. But he says that make even more sure that your calling and your election is sure. So guys, what is our call? Our call is our present now. Your election is our ultimate destiny. Now how do I get to my destiny? Well, how do I know what my destiny is? Many times it is through a prophetic word. A prophetic word will, will be released over you what your destiny is going to be. Many times it will be a dream. Many times it will be something that is in your heart from a young age. You see, I've seen many times that people that, that are struggling in their work, or people that are unemployed, will pray, God, I'm prepared to do anything. I'm prepared to do any work, but I just, I hate my job, I just need to get out of this place. The amazing thing is that God will answer those prayers. And then you find yourself in a job that you hate even more. <laughs> When you find yourself in a place or a town that you never thought you are going to, to hate, or amazing that you are, you, 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 there's at, at this new job, the salary is up, and uh, you are working long hours, and then there's all, not always, but most of the time, there's someone that is a real thorn in your flesh. <laughs> and how many times have we heard this argument? Nah. This is not what God has for me. And the guy that quit. I want to suggest that if you are tonight at a place where, hey, your job is not that guy, things are really tough, and even probably where you're unemployed, I want to suggest to you it may just be most likely that you are there, placed by God for this season. In your life. You see, it is so the what is in rather say that the problem is why many times many times why people are quitting or, or are not happy with this uh, the environment is is because they don't understand their calling. People don't understand their destiny. Guys, it is absolutely important that we understand our calling. That we understand our destiny. You see, it may be that your destiny is to be a pastor one day, or that your destiny is going to be evangelist, 
Your destiny may be that you will become a doctor. Or even that your destiny will be that you will start a house for abused women and, and children. We have to go through our calls in life to get to our destiny. You see, David's, David's destiny was to be king of Israel. And eventually, the Christ will, will come through his bloodline. But what was his initial call? If you read the story of David, his initial call was to be a shepherd. And then his call changed. His call changes in the sense that he had to go to, to the battlefield. And he had to go and, and kill the giant. That was not his ultimate destiny. Then, once again, his call changed and he finds himself in, in Saul's palace being or playing music to Paul, or to Saul. And uh, then once again, the, the ball changes. Become an armor bearer for Saul. Eventually, believe it or not, his call was, if you read carefully, his call was even to flee for his life from Saul. Can you imagine a guy like David would have said, eh, I've been anointed as king. Now, this thing of me, me being an armor bearer or a harpist for the king or whatever, that is, this is not for me. I don't think we'd, we would have been able to, to, to celebrate the amazing story of, of David today. You see, when you, when you see this, when, 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 when we start to get to a place where we understand our calling, then we understand also why Moses was able to say to God, show me your ways, teach me your ways, so that I may understand you better and find more favor in your sight. My word, guys, isn't it amazing that we can find more favor? I mean, we all we know that we all have favor, but Moses says, so I can find more favor in your sight. When we know what our destiny is, then even though we have family problems, even though we have many issues, we will understand that, that this is part to get us to our, to our uh, election eventually. You see, David, know why was running, David knew that he was running away from Saul because he was appointed as king. Then uh, Peter Gohan goes on in verse 10 and he says that if you make your call and election sure, you will never stumble. He's not talking about sin, guys. He says, if you and I know what God has called us to be, if you and I know what our destiny is going to be, yes, we will stumble. There will be days that there's going to be a haze or a fog over this thing. Even though I stumble, I will be able to get up and move forward. Do you guys know that it's possible to stumble and even to fall and still move forward? <laughs> Seriously. The thing is, what is your attitude? Are you going to, to stay down or am I going to get up? It's irrespective of whether I understand it, irrespective of like it makes sense or not, I'm still going to go forward because I'm trusting God, because He has something better for me. Yeah. If you look at the, the story of, of, of Joseph, 
And you, we, we all like the story of Joseph. I mean, wow, it's, it's an incredible story, and many of us would like to associate with this. None of us want to associate with the prison part. <laughs> Believe me, my job, nobody wants to be part uh, or associated with the prison part. We all want to be associated with the public where we, Joseph eventually became second in charge in Egypt. So Joseph's calling was to be in Potiphar's house. Do you know that? But as I was reading through the story, the amazing thing is, and I've seen it in a couple of, of these giants in the Bible, Joseph, if you look at David, if you look at Daniel, if you look at Paul, none of them ever complained about what happened to them in life. David, Joseph never complained. You can, you can go, I'll give you a chocolate if you find me a place where, <laughs> where, where, where Joseph complained about the fact that his brother sold him as a slave. He never complained about the fact that he was unfairly imprisoned for 10 years. Never complained about the fact that it took him 20 years from the day that he was sold as a slave to the day that he was second in charge of Egypt. 20 years. So we all read this. We read the story of, of Joseph and, and we see that the word says that in Potiphar's house God blessed him. So then he went to prison and God blessed him. I want to read you guys something and you'll see that this guy has all the reason in the world to complain. Psalm 105, verse 16 to 25 says, Moreover he, that is now God, all the famine in the land, he destroyed all the provisions of, of, uh, of bread. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Now check this one out. They said, it says, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. Wow. And he never complained, guys. Joseph knew that the hardship that he was, that he was going through was to eventually bring him to his, uh, to his destiny. You see, there are a couple of times, if you, if you read the story of, of, of Joseph, four times he says to his brothers, listen, just chill, relax, guys. It is not you that sent me here. So just don't take the credit for that. He says in, uh, in Genesis 45, verse 5, now do not be grieved with or angry with, uh, with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me to preserve life. Verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant with the earth or in the earth and to keep you alive in a great deliverance. Verse 8, now therefore it was not you who sent me here, but it was God who sent me here. Genesis 50 verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to, re to preserve my people alive. Hey, we don't want to hear this type of thing, right? God sent me. I mean, can you imagine your, 
if we have the understanding, if we know our call in life, isn't it going to be awesome, eh? irrespective of what life is throwing at us? We will always see the hand of God for, for our good. You know, there's a verse that says that God turns a blessing or a curse around and He send a, and, and He turn, and He give you a, a blessing instead for for that thing. There was a season, in, I think, in 2005, when Melania and, my, and, and myself were co-representatives of Open Doors and KZN. So Open Doors is an organization that's serving the persecuted church. Amazing stories about those guys. And I remember there was this one story, I've, I mean, we've heard many of them, so, but one of the stories that's, that, that's still stuck to, uh, with me till today is is that Mike Bernard, the director of Open Doors, was telling us that they went and that, well, they visited the pastors, some of the pastors in, in the persecuted church in China. And the pastor said to them, to them that when we train a pastor, we promise them three things. First thing that we promise the pastor is that we give him a one-way train ticket to the destination to the place where he's going to plant his church. But obviously, there's no return unless you decide, I'm, I'm out of the ministry. The second thing that they promised them is three months supply of rice. And the third thing that they promised them is 24 hours prayer support. So they asked the pastors because they know that you of these people are incredibly poor. How, where do you get the money? He said eventually or initially the pastors didn't want to tell them where they got the money from. And those years, it was just the beginning of, of the AIDS pandemic. Eventually the pastors said to them that we are selling our blood to the Chinese government. And from the proceeds thereof, we are buying train tickets and rice for the pastors that we are sending out. Yo, guys, I was so inspired by that. But I know that this is a guy or a pastor that knows to get to my destiny. And even if my destiny is only to donate my blood, or my, even if my call is only to, name, to, to donate my blood, eventually the bigger picture is I helping someone else to get to his destiny. If you look at the story of Joseph and Paul and those people and those Chinese pastors, it's so encouraging to know that these people blossomed in the situation where God put them. Isn't it amazing that we can get to a place where we blossom in the situation, we blossom in the environment where God has put us? Even if you are a housewife, even if you are a clerk, single mother, whatever the case may be. I want to encourage you, even if you are a student, you're unemployed. No, it's, we know it's, it's, it's not easy. But I want to encourage you, keep on doing what you are doing. Because it is for this season, it is now, it's not going to be something that is going to be permanent. Eventually, it will change. You and I need it to get to the place. Where God wants us to be. You see, our destiny 
is already inside of us. The problem is many times we don't know it. And I've also noticed that it is obedience to our goal that will, that will eventually lead us to our destiny. I remember. So guys, this is a, this is a tough one and I really hope that, that this is going to encourage us. Obedience to your call eventually will lead you to your destiny. I remember uh, in my early days, I was really a, a Jesus freak. Like, but you calm down over the years, you see, because your limbs doesn't want to move anymore. <laughs> and uh, I got involved in, in shelter ministry. And uh, what I've noticed is that if you really, if you are seriously pursuing God for something, you've received the prophetic word, but probably sometimes you don't even have to, you haven't received the prophetic word, but there's such a passion in your heart to pursue God. He will lead you to places and bring you to people where you will change something and these people will be a, will be a blessing to you. And I remember there was, or perhaps I must first say that then when you are at that place, God will set you up amazingly. And you won't even know that He set you up. I remember the one day I was saying, God, how am I supposed to have compassion to these shelter people if I don't understand what they are going through? I'm telling you, God has set me up to pray that thing. Oh my word. Soon thereafter, God gave Melania myself a prophetic word. Melania has to resign her job. Now we were already running in a debt and a deficit at about 2,000 rand, so we were jumping the walls every month just to make. Now all of a sudden there's another 8,000 rand short. But we know that God spoke to us. Yo, guys, it was incredibly tough. I remember that it was also the time that, that we've seen the hand of God moving in amazing waves in our lives. That was the time when I remember there was a time that, that three times I traveled to Camperdale without petrol. Now I'm working in, we're living in Pinetown at the time. I'm working in Camperdale. From my home in Pinetown to Camperdale was 40k, so it's 80k. Three times. First time, oh, I have to, I have to tell you guys. The first time, I was so excited. <laughs> we were living in New Germany, driving. There's no petrol. I'm telling nobody about it. Only Milan and myself knows about it. Traveling to Camperdown and back. Now I know there was no petrol in, in the car. Remember those? I don't know about the new cars, but in, in, in the older models, they have, the, 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 it got this little needle or pin, whatever. When the, when the empty gauge get to that place, you cannot go further because there's enough, there's enough, it's past that thing. I got so excited, I said to Milani, just check this. Come, let's go for a ride, a drive, or whatever. 
But I said to me, there's no, no way I'll get into that car. <laughs> hey, man, I remember when Marinelle was still small, eh? I was so excited with that dad. <laughs> get with me in the car, there we go all the way, all the Thomas Moore School and back and so Oh, I was so excited about that. Yo, God, you are amazing. The next day, or the next, not the next day, so money came through, and then the next moment, or the next time that it happened, I ran out of petrol. <laughs> oh my word, God, what is happening now? But it's okay, so, hey, as a magistrate, you know, you are every day, you are going with your blazer, and your tie, and your, your briefcase, going to work, and I'm just past Kayo Ridge, I ran out of gas, got, got out of the car, with my plays and my briefcase, my tie, start walking to camp now. <laughs> Try it again. This time, once again. Try, drove to camp down and back. No petrol in the tank. Third time, then you God is ordained it to happen like this. The third time, on my way back, I, I ran out of gas again. They were on key reach going up there. Miraculously, God came and the guy stopped them and helped us out. And then the last time, on my way back, it was around about just before one, back from Cable Ridge or Camperdown to Cable to, to, to Pinecourt, again I ran out of gas. I remember taking out or taking my, my blazer with my tie and my briefcase and I start walking. Oh, but I'm so God, I don't understand this thing. <laughs> you said that you will come through for me. Yo. While I was walking, I, I, I sensed there was someone behind me and turned around and believe it or not, it was my old friend Pride. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, oh, I, this, you know, surely this cannot happen to me. God, oh, I'm really, I'm ministering, prophesying all over, and whatever the case may be. And while I'm talking to pride, to my astonishment and my shock, he committed suicide in front of me. <laughs> and I started lamenting the fact that my son or my, my, my friend, pride, committed suicide. Continue walking. And I noticed, I sensed there was someone around me again, or with me again, and I noticed it was my, believe it or not, my old friend, embarrassment. <laughs> and while I was talking to embarrassment, the guy said to me, listen, <laughs> see you later, I'm out of here. Can you believe it that even embarrassment abandoned me? <laughs> 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 my word, I mean, it's absolutely shocking. <laughs> Still walking, I mean, from Kaluritz and Capital, it's about 4K, and it's hot walking around, <laughs> walking contra flow with, with the traffic. And, and while I was walking, I, I'm, I'm suddenly I'm mindful. Jesus is with me. And all of a sudden I realized my briefcase and my blazer and my tie means nothing. Jesus, only you 
means something to me. And I want to be conformed more and more to your image. And then I'm reminded of where Paul was saying, I've learned the secret to be content whether I have abundance or whether I have lack. And I, and I sense, now I've learned the secret of humility when I die. And I thought, wow, God, isn't it amazing? Even in this, that there's a reason why you didn't answer my prayer. Yes, I've trusted you, but in this season, God says, I want to teach you something. I want to teach you faith. And I thought, yes, now I need faith. I, I, I really need faith in this season. But I also need to die in this season. And it was also in that season, oh my word, well, I have to tell you guys now, just to go back to the shelter thing. Then I, all of a, then I realized what, it, it dawned on me, but I've asked God to give me compassion for these people. So I complained about this. God said, but I don't know why you are complaining. You've asked me to get compassion, but I didn't budget for that. So I, went, I said to Alani, you know why we are suffering? <laughs> because I asked God for compassion for the, for the street people. Oh my word. Alani was, I can she was so angry with me. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, guys, I don't know why she was angry with me. <laughs> I didn't ask God that she suffered with me. <laughs> matter of fact, I didn't even ask God to suffer. <laughs> but then I realized the word is true. Husband and wife is one. So, <laughs> and also in that season, now I've, okay, now I've learned, okay, there's a, I've learned in this, in this season, I needed to learn faith. In this season, I needed to die. We all remember it was also during that time that that Bruce Wilkinson came out with the prayer, the prayer of Jabez. After the prayer of Jabez, it was the fruit of the vine. And uh, Bruce Wilkinson says that if you are desperate for God and serious about God, He will prune you so that you can bear more fruit. And then he made this statement. Never, if you're not serious with God, never ask Him to prune you. <laughs> It was a Saturday morning, and I, and I thought, hmm, it cannot be that bad. You know what Adam and Eve did? God said to you, don't eat the fruit, and they ate the fruit. <laughs> I mean, I was still suffering the consequences. <laughs> so God, let's go. I almost had the Holy Spirit saying, I thought you will never ask. <laughs> <laughs> Yo! It was, it was tough again. The amazing thing is, the moment that you ask, God come and you wipe it out of your mind. You even ask something like that. Three years later, not three years, 18 months later, someone gave us a prophetic word. God says, your time, your season of pruning is over. And I thought, wow. Then all of a sudden I remember that I asked for it. You see, in, in that season, apart from, from the faith that God lent me, or taught me, He also brought me to, to a place where he said, I, I want to teach you about the prophetic. And as I, as I was reading through the scriptures, I noticed that the prophets of old did not always just speak the word. They also act the word. And that's where this acting thing comes from. And I remember a friend of mine sent me a prophetic word 
God says that you must prophesy over your dead finances. I remember early hours in the morning, I will wake up and I will start prophesying at things to speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west. And within a year, God had turned our finances around. Well, I wasn't working. I was, I'm, a, I'm a civil servant. There was no other income. Supernaturally, just because I've learned and was prepared to learn something new, God has wiped out a lot of our, of our debts. I was also reading at that time. I was reading uh, the morning at the office the story of Elijah sitting there on the sitting and praying that God would send rain and he had this amazing servant. And he said to the servant, Listen, uh, just by the way, if you, are, if you are in the mood for exercise, just run up the mountain and go check whether there's what, what's happening. Hey, I'm telling you, I have an amazing, submissive, and a beautiful, faithful wife. So I was, I was sitting in Camperdale, she was in Pine Town, and I had my house in Pine Town in a steep driveway, about 15 meters up to the road. So I phoned her on here, sitting on the landline. said to her, listen, would you please do me a favor, just go up the road and go, just go check left and right to see whether you see something. <laughs> okay, first up, second time. No, I'm sitting on the waiting for her to come back. Came back, now I see nothing. Please go up again. <laughs> and by the third time she wasn't back, I said, listen guy, uh, listen uh, lady, I say that God, through this prophetic act, I want you to go to the gate seven times. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, because God spoken, God had spoken, so she went up and down. <laughs> After the seventh time, I asked her, did you see something? No, I haven't seen something. The thing is, even to, up to today, I haven't seen anything. No clouds or nothing. But the amazing thing is, I've learned in that season, even if you don't see something, just act on the Word of God. Be faithful to the Word of God. So God, and I remember it was also at that time that God says, okay, now I want to teach you radical obedience. Guys, if you are serious about God, and, not, and I know that we are serious about God, but if you want excitement in your life, in your life, challenge God to bring you up to a place of radical obedience. God is going to take you up on that. I remember we were going to, it was a Saturday at noon, Melania and I was in the, in the pavilion. We were at Gospel Direct those days. Gospel Direct was on the third floor. And you get the second floor where Mulkey Lane was. Then the, the, the bottom floor, the first floor is where Jack is still lays. And then you get the one with the, the movies. So we were on the third floor. And while I was standing there, all of a sudden I sense the anointing of Holy Spirit. I feel this burden. And Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to go and stand on the second floor where the escalators are. And I want you to ask me two questions. Now those two questions I've learned when I started off uh, street evangelism, EE3. First question, if you die tonight, are you sure of your eternal destiny? And if you were to die tonight, would you stand before God? And he asked you, why should I give you eternal life? What would you tell him? 
Oh my word, I thought, no, no, there's no, no such a thing. I'm, I cannot do this thing. But the burner, I said, God, I, I just want to be obedient. I didn't tell Malani anything about it because I know her reaction. I don't want to know about it. You will do it all by yourself. It's your, your vision, so go make it your vision. So I decided, okay, I need to get rid of the burden. Oh, well, you can imagine on a, on a, on a Saturday, it's up and down and everybody is going. And the people around me as well. I remember there were old people sitting on the other side of the Milky Lane enjoying their waffles or whatever. And I just let, I let it go. And all of us, it was dead silence. <laughs> and I noticed the old people. Oh, oh, the old one old told me his mouth was hanging open, the whole time he was just shaking a head. <laughs> and I said, God, but why? What is then? Why is it necessary? I didn't get an answer. And about a year later, I was reading the autobiography from D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody was saying in his autobiography, writing in his autobiography, that he was walking down the street in London. And as he was walking past a house, God said to him, I want you to go shout through the keyhole, Jesus loves you. <laughs> now if you know D.L. Moody, I mean he was a renowned preacher. People knew about D.L. Moody. And you know, God, there's no way I can do that. People will think I'm a lunatic or whatever. And now this person says, if you don't do it, I will not speak to you again. So D.L. Moody, Moody decided to. Okay, I will do it, because I mean, there's no chance that I don't want God to speak to me again. And he did it. He said that he did it and he was like, lightning was out of there. He said about 18 months later, he was one of the main speakers at the conference. And he was telling the story that sometimes God will require of you in obedience to do radical things and you don't understand the purpose of that. He said afterwards, a gentleman came to him and the gentleman said, you know, the guy that was in that house, I'm the guy that was in that house. I've written my suicide note. My pistol was loaded and I said to God, if you cares about me, you will send someone to come tell me that I matter and that you love me. He said, and lo and behold, a lunatic came and he shouted. And then all of a sudden I realized, and then Holy Spirit revealed to me, he said, someone has challenged me and said, God, do you care, do you care about me? If you care about me, you will send someone to do something stupid that I can know. And then all of a sudden I realized, wow, God, you are so faithful. I didn't understand it. I had to be just be radically obedient. And the last thing, and, and after that now you are full of fire and so on. And a guy in our small group committed suicide, shot himself in the head. And I remember, he said, God, I don't want to be, be presumptuous because the prophetic word that we received in 2003, one of the things, God says you will travel the world, ministry will be ministry to, to multitude, other things, and you will raise the dead. So I thought, okay, so God, I am prepared to step out in obedience here. And, but I need to know from you whether you are going to back me up and I'm asking for seven things. And I was very specific and I said, if these seven things happen, I will do it. Roger, I, I, can you imagine how you are blocking something like that at a funeral? 
I don't think you will even allow me in the bowling if you know I'm bowling something. <laughs> I mean, I mean that is that is easy, but within the first two days, to the T, three of those things came, came to pass. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, oh. and you feel the pressure start building. Incredible pressure. Day number four, another two of those things. Do the T happen? So we have five of those things. I think two days before the funeral. Another one, the, the sixth one happened. I, I can't remember those six, but I just remember the seventh one. And I said, the seventh one, God, if this guy on the day of the funeral preached from Luke 11, I think Luke 11 is about the Lazarus can come forth, then I know it is you. I've already set my heart on it. It doesn't matter what. I've, I've counted the costs. I know. If something goes wrong, you are going to cause incredible hardship. I mean, it's going to cause chaos in the church. I didn't even tell Malani that I don't think, I, I don't know whether I even told that. Perhaps today is the first time. Malani would have said to me, I'm not going with you to church. You're going all by yourself. <laughs> You guys, then all of a sudden the pressure, and you feel the pressure, and on the day, you even got to a place where you start praying, oh God, I hope that this, this last one won't come to pass. <laughs> and on the day I'm sitting there, and the guy opened his book, our pastor opened the Bible. Oh my word. And he preached from Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> plans I have. I know the plans I have. And I'm so relieved. And I said, God was saying to me, I wanted to test your obedience. Are you going to be radically obedient to me? Are you prepared to do anything irrespective of the consequences? So guys, I want to say to you guys, whatever your call is, whatever whether it may seem very insignificant to you or whatever the case may be. Just know what your call is and be faithful in your call because you and I need it in this season. I want to prophesy to us tonight. In this season, we need to remember what our call is. And we need to remember there's a reason why we're in that place. And we have to see this thing through. Whether it's hardship, whether it's just the mundaneness of life, so that eventually we can get to our destiny. Does it make sense, guys? Amen.